step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Two-time Toast of Music City Best Sports Reporter. And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jamie, take care of us behind the glass. And whew, there's so much hockey going on right now with the Nashville Predators. It, it, it is hockey season. It's hockey season. It's hockey season. And with the back-to-backs because of an Olympic schedule is always going to be unique. But I'm not used to there being so many games on Wednesdays that bump us to different nights. I mean, Thursday this week, mm-hmm. Tuesday next week, and there's another Wednesday game that's going to be coming up. So it's just going to be very curious going through with the Olympic schedule crunched up like this about mm-hmm. the entire season. But we appreciate you joining us. We have plenty to talk about. We have a great show for you. Uh, Harman Dial, who is with The Athletic, covers the Vancouver Canucks, will be joining us in the next segment. Then after that, my boy, <laughs> Yigor Afanasyev, <laughs> will be joining us. He's with the Milwaukee Admirals and so close to making the big roster out of training camp. But he's already started off. He's the leading point getter for the Milwaukee Admirals right now, so he'll join us. Then we have plenty of things to talk about, a follow-up on what we discussed last week with what's going on with Chicago and still more investigations there. And plenty of questions that you asked. But first, the big news, not even games this week for the Predators. It was announced, of course, on his birthday. Predators are going to retire Pekka Rene's number 35 on February 24th at Bridgestone Arena when they take on the Dallas Stars. The first game back after the Olympic break and the game before the stadium series. So it's a nice little sandwich game right in there that there's going to be plenty of hype about. And they're already releasing promotional packs for it and everything. You can get your ticket packages that include that game right there. But Glenn, what, what does it mean? I mean, especially when you think about when you became a fan, when you started following this team as well, how early that was in Pecorine's career mm-hmm. up to now. Just what did that mean to you when, when you heard that announcement come through, especially on his birthday? I know. I mean, it was very, very fitting to do that on his birthday. Um, I love that they did that. And it's just, it's so bittersweet. I think for so many people, it's still, it's still so fresh to imagine this team without him, but what a way to be honored and to be the first one in franchise history to be honored in this way is huge. Um, I'm super, super excited. He has just been the foundation and the backbone of this entire organization for so long. And there's really no better way to honor somebody like that. I mean, it's he just he's going to stand the test of time in the city. His name is going to live on. And you just get a little bit emotional when you think about it in a good way because he just right. Pecorino gives everybody all the good feels, you know? And so I'm super super excited that no matter how much time passes that he will always be up there in the rafters. Um and I'm I'm just super excited. I know it's going to be a lot of emotional people there that day, um, but they're all going to be emotional in the best way possible. Oh, absolutely. And so great to see in his media availability uh, yesterday how much he's beaming more than anything when he's being able to talk about being a dad. I, I mean, know. he's getting to enjoy that. So it's not just, oh my gosh, he's retired. What's he doing? He's being a dad. He's enjoying his. He's enjoying, he's enjoying his family. He's enjoying his life. Um, obviously, there's a little piece of it that is different sure. now, and there's always a, <laughs> a interesting transition for players as they move out of the game that they've played their entire lives. But when you have, you know, a new son, a family, it's 
it's exciting time for him. He gets a lot of extra time with them now. He absolutely does. And and that's what's so great to see is that he's being able to do that. And he's been in Finland and he's going to mm-hmm. be back in Nashville soon. But he's been able to enjoy that time and have the stress of being a professional athlete. He's been able to focus. And I know plenty of professional athletes, they balance being a dad and, and playing the game. And plenty of women do that as well. Balance being a mom and being mm-hmm. a professional athlete. But for Pecorine with all the pressure that was on him too it's good to see that he's being able to just kind of separate these things too and have this time where he can just enjoy being retired and being a dad and and be back home be with his family and everything too Mm -hmm. so his son can can be with the rene family as well too so that's going to be great and folks if you didn't know part of the proceeds from that game on february 24th are actually going to go to the 365 fund well, Love I mean, that, which so is fitting. very, very fitting. <laughs> very, very fitting. For, and speaking for of players balancing life in this sport, we have to we have to make a note. I want to say publicly how proud we are of Connor Ingram. Um, I don't know if you guys, I think you've obviously probably read some of this, but Adam Vingham wrote a fantastic piece on The Athletic about how Connor Ingram asking for help changed his entire life recently. Um, he had had undiagnosed OCD. And it was bleeding into his everyday life. And when he recognized that, he asked for help. So, I mean, all of us here at Penalty Box Radio are so proud that he asked for help when he knew he needed it. Um, But also for openly sharing his story. I mean, vulnerability is a very, very powerful and beautiful thing. And it can it allows you to grow deeper within yourself. And it also allows you to help other people by doing that. And so... We just have to say how proud we are of him for asking for help, getting it, and also how excited we are because he said that he's feeling like himself again. And when you're in that, you don't know if you're ever going to feel like yourself again. But to hear him say that he is makes me so happy. So shout out to him for being honest, open, helping other people and sharing his story and just being vulnerable because it's such a beautiful thing. And he's already played two NHL games. Mm-hmm. He got he's got his first win. And even in the loss against Edmonton, he still looked really good. I mean, that's yeah. he had some stellar saves for even Edmonton fans are going, Okay, come on. Yeah. I mean he had some great point blank <laughs> saves. Like, oh, so just oh. being in the just being in a place where you feel comfortable in your own skin is such a, a huge positive and such a huge win there. And I mean, we're seeing more of this. I mean, former NHL or former national writer Colin Wilson also opened up in his Players Tribune. Yeah, I believe well. that. I believe that Connor Ingram had actually talked with him um, when he OCD came out about this well. because it it was a very very similar situation. They right. both went through the same struggle, and it was awesome that. Colin was able to be there for him um, and support him like that. So really, really proud of him and excited for him on this journey. Like you said, I mean, even when you don't have a winning night and you're still playing really, really good, it's it's exciting. (laughs) And and what I hope we see is just more players and athletes in general continue to be open. And we're seeing this more and more, uh, the general acceptance of it, that mm-hmm. you, you don't worry about what people are going to think because more and more people are realizing this is important to discuss and important yeah. to talk about, important to be open, and opens doors for other teammates to be more open to discuss what's going on in their lives. And you know what that's going to do when you're more open? You're going to you're going to be feel more free. You're going to feel way more free in what you're able to do. And it's overall, I think, going to end up in better athletes. I mean, you're going to be better at the game that you're being paid to play because, because you're, your better you're, you're better. You're yeah. a better version of yourself that you're not causing other stress in yourself because you're having to worry about other things when you're, you're open with your teammates, when you're open with who you are and what you may be struggling with. But mm-hmm. that's why these programs are in place as well. 
exactly. in the player assistance program and, and realizing there's ways for players to, to get the help that they need as well. So just loves being able to see that and seeing players being uh, be more open and discussing this as well, too. And you, and you love hearing supportive teammates uh, as well because that's what you can need to see is supportive teammates. And we want to see more of that in hockey culture, more of that more being supporting open, more each supporting other. each other yep. and, and getting through things and, and, not, and standing for what is right mm-hmm. uh, as well, seeing way more of that. So before we have to get to break, I want to discuss as well Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Uh, Look at them. I know. <laughs> just going along with what we've been seeing so far this season, you're seeing two players that right now are definitely playing up to what you expect them to be doing. Mm-hmm. And not just points-wise, but what they're able to contribute on the ice. I mean, Matt Duchesne, nine points in ten games. Ryan Johansson, eight points in ten games. A moment that is uh, – two moments – so Matt Duchesne obviously got the overtime winner, mm-hmm. and, and that was against Calgary, which was a very positive thing there, too. The ending a Calgary win streak, they were off to a hot start in the first of a back-to-back. And then he scores again to, to get it rolling there with, with against Edmonton. And then Ryan Johansson, what stood out to me was the game is pretty much out of hand. They're mm-hmm. down 4-1. to one. There's five and a half re- minutes remaining regulation. And Ryan Johansson hauls it and makes this huge stretch to keep the puck in the zone right at the blue line. He easily could have let it go, and no one would have probably thought twice because the puck was just getting ready to exit the zone. Mm-hmm. But he hustled and made a play to keep the puck in the zone. That's the kind of effort you want to see from these guys, that no matter what the situation is in the game, that they are still putting that effort forward because that's a that's showing leadership as well. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of young guys that are watching what you're doing as a veteran on the ice and what's expected of you. And to make a play like that, when you're down three goals, and yes, they... They scored another one, and then Edmonton got an empty net, so still a three-goal differential. But but you're out there doing the right things. You're out there doing the right things, and that's what's important is to lead by example, and you see that obviously with Roman Yossi so much. But to All see Ryan time. Johansson <laughs> make that type of move, mm-hmm. that was very, very important. And then he went and scored a goal. Yep. After that. So it was that kind of effort there, too, is like, look, you make the right plays there, too. You're going to get rewarded with having good opportunities as well. That's what I want to continue to see more of. It's still early in the season. Yeah. Ten games in. One-eighth of the way yeah, <laughs> into but. the season. But that's a good start. That's what you want to see. And exactly. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer because I see, keep saying it's going to be a streaky season, which I still believe that. Yeah. But you see those building blocks mm-hmm. right there of what you can do. is If those guys, those guys play to their potential a little bit more, it's really difficult to match what you think $8 million a year is worth. Mm-hmm. But if they're on this pace, or just even slightly below it, but if they're on a pace way better than what they've been at, that's great because you then complement that with other young players that can yeah. fill those voids in to be better off in the future. Yeah, and I've said it before and I've said it a lot of times and I'll say I'll continue to say it. I think it's younger players like that that are pushing them to be better. Like you be. said, you're the veteran out there on the ice. You've got these younger players looking up to you and if you're seeing night in and night out that they're putting in the effort and you're not giving as much as you know that you can, then you're going to show up at some point, and it's so good to see Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson in those little moments of, finally, we've all talked about it. When are we going to kind of see them just come into their own and do what they're supposed to do? And so it's nice to see that, and I, I'd credit some of that not only to their skill but to the young players on the team. Yeah, giving them a push because, I mean, it's not going to take much to outpace last season for either this of these guys. This is very true. I mean, Johansson had 22 points in 48 games. That's less than half a point per game Ooh. and then Matt Duchesne had 13 and 34 again less than half a point per game yeah so just keep on the pace that they're doing and, and keep showing that because you are they're going to get pushed and they need to be pushed and mm-hmm. especially with Philip Forsberg missing 
Who knows how long that could be? We don't have any update on that. It's going to be very vital for those guys to be able to step up, at least to keep this team competitive and make it to where they're continuing to mentor a lot of these young players. So, okay. Up next, let's look at who the team's going to play on Friday night tomorrow because they're making that Western Canadian swing that they always do, right? Uh, right during the CMA season. It's always November when they, when they get up to Alberta and British Columbia and make that swing through the Pacific Northwest and the West Coast. So the Vancouver Canucks, that's who the Predators are playing Friday night. We have Harmon Dial, who is with the Athletic. We're going to talk to him up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, the game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny, take care of us behind the glass. And up next, the Predators are heading over to Vancouver to take on the Canucks. And joining us right now, we have Harmon Dial joining us from The Athletic. Harmon, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's let's look at this Canucks team. Obviously, there's so much good young talent on this Vancouver Canucks team. And off to a, a, an interesting start. I mean, the Predators have been off to an interesting start as well. What have you noticed so far, just about 10-ish games, about an eighth of the way into the season, about this Vancouver Canucks team? How are you kind of evaluating them t- uh, 10 games in? Yeah, it's been pretty tough because for, you know, you mentioned the young talent that the Canucks have assembled a lot of, uh, electric uh, offensive weapons, particularly up front with the top six. Uh, and I think it's kind of hard to judge the team right now because some of those weapons just haven't gotten going yet. Uh, we talk about the likes of Elias Pedersen and, and Brock Besser kind of off to uncharacteristically slow starts. And um, we expected going into the season that for Vancouver there, uh, defense would be an issue. Certainly there are problems on the right side of, uh, of the back end in, in terms of high-end talent there. Um, but, you know, one of the assumptions I was kind of baked in was they're going to have this um, excellent top six and they're going to have a, uh, a really dominant power play. And both factors just haven't come to fruition yet. I think um, on in terms of silver linings, I think uh, both new additions in, in the Arizona Coyotes' blockbuster trade uh, with uh, Albrecht and Larson and Connor Garland coming in, both have been excellent for the team and have given them a lift. And, so I think the team's improved its defensive form, which I think was crucial with the way last season went. Um, but it's just kind of judged, hard to judge where the team is at uh, in terms of its overall play uh, just because they've sputtered a little bit offensively, which has uh, come as a bit of a surprise for sure. And Tuesday night's thrill of a victory against the Rangers, I think we can all agree, it came at a time when this team really needed that 10 games in. Obviously not the best start to the season. So when you look at that isolated game, what do you think a game like that is going to do for this Canucks locker room and the energy that that team has moving forward? It's huge. And really the team couldn't have have afforded to gone. Uh, 0-4 to begin their seven-game homestand. And after the second period when the team was down 2-0, especially with the lack of offense that they were kind of creating, you could tell the crowd was starting to get restless. And from the press box, you were starting to wonder if if the team loses this one, or is the home, is the home crowd going, going to start raining down booze by the end of the game? And, and that's the, the kind of nice edge that the Canucks were essentially on. And then obviously going into the third period, they completely... Um, uh, completely turned things around, a couple of quick third-period goals, fantastic five-on-three penalty kill sequence to end the game, and then capping it off with an overtime winner. I mean, we heard uh, Quinn Hughes today after practice talking about how it just it just gives the group so much more confidence going into 
this next game against Nashville. And it's, I think, not just any other kind of normal victory. It's one where they're able to show so much needed resiliency, right? Because, again, this is a frustrated group offensively. They're creating chances in the first two periods against the Rangers. And, you know, there, there was... After the second period, um, you know, guys were talking about they could have pouted and they could have gotten frustrated, but they just stuck with the process and being able, able to overcome that kind of hurdle and, and get the dam to kind of break offensively. I think that's, that's it's just huge for them to, to chalk up that W. And I mean, the reality is, is that every team struggles from time to time. The game is going to ebb, it's going to flow. And despite it being a rough start, you know, there is still promise within this lineup and you had kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. So... 10 games deep, who do you think, are there a couple of players, a few players that are standing out to you so far that just haven't quite made it over that hump that you think have the ability to turn things around for this team? Or what do you think that this team needs to do to kind of build off of that energy um, against that game of the Rangers to turn things around? I think it starts with just the power play and the special teams. Uh, this is a, a Canucks team that pretty much has most of the same uh, first unit personnel as they did two years ago when Vancouver had a top-five power play in the league. And so far, for whatever reason, they just had, in, had issues with entries on the man advantage, getting set up, getting quality chances. And so they've kind of shaken things up. And, um, again, that's where you kind of look at someone like Anolius Pedersen or, or, or Brock Besser, um, where those are, are marquee offensive weapons that um, you know haven't quite found their stride yet. I think Pedersen has started to look uh, a little bit better, and, and that's where the team, I think, the last few games has been pretty pleased with how it's played at 5-on-5. Five five. It's just been a matter of trying to get the special teams to kind of work in their favor. Um, even against Edmonton, uh, where they lost before playing the Rangers, um, the, the game at even strength was 0-0. It, it was really Edmonton special teams that kind of won it for them with a couple of power play goals, and Vancouver's had come up empty, and so I think if the team can kind of sustain the five-on-five plays they're showing right now, especially with how how improved they've been defensively, um, they, they couple that with uh, with just a little bit more power play production, and I think that this is the that's the sort of thing that can really snowball in their favor and help them go on a little bit of a run. And joining us right now is Harman Dial. He's with The Athletic covering the Vancouver Canucks. And Harman, you speak of defensively and back on October 13th, your athletic article on your, your bold and not so bold Canucks predictions uh, mentioned Oliver Ekman Larson, who is still one of those things. It's weird seeing him not with the Coyotes. So it's one of those, oh, that's right. He, he's with the Canucks now. But <laughs> saying that he'd be rejuvenated by a fresh start. Uh, what are you seeing out of him? Because he's, he's a, he was a leader with the, with the Coyotes. He's one of those guys obviously brought in to help solidify that blue line for the Canucks. So what has been your impression of him so far with, with Vancouver? Yeah, he's been their best defenseman so far. And, you know, the point totals don't necessarily show it. He's only got two points in ten games. But he hasn't really been brought in to play this this elite offensive kind of role where he's quarterbacked in the first unit. That's kind of what Quinn Hughes is here for. And for OEL, what he's brought is just uh, a two-way stability where in all three zones, starting the defensive one, his uh, buttery smooth puck moving ability, being able to jump up in the rush, drive possession, and then defensively too, he's been uh, doing a really good job of using the skating to close gaps, uh, to make it hard on on the opposing forwards to kind of pick up speed through the neutral zone and get those easy entries. And and when you look at some of his end zone defensive work, he's shown I think a little bit um, 
uh, more meanness. Uh, he's been a lot very assertive and physical defensively along the boards and build the hash marks, uh, which has helped him break plays up. And there's just a level of composure um, and polish with his game right now. Uh, and when you do kind of look at some of the underlying numbers, when he's been on the ice at five on five, the team's controlling play. They're out shooting and out chancing their opponents. And so far, Vancouver's outscored opponents seven to three at five on five when Ekman Larson's been on the ice. So, uh, no doubt that he's been the team's kind of best defenseman to to this point. And that's that's kind of the bounce back that they needed, especially after an off season where the Canucks um, moved on from a couple of veteran stabilizing defensemen in Alex Edler and Nate Schmidt. And, and continuing on the defensive trend and keeping the puck out of the net, Thatcher Demko. I mean, just seeing some of the highlights of what he's been able to do, and it seems like not enough people are talking about him, and he's still so young in his career as well. I mean, he has a lot of pressure on him as well to perform too, but Thatcher Demko, what should people know about Demko and how his performance is, and especially like it's been so long since other people that weren't in the division last year have even seen him or the Canucks in general. What should people know about Thatcher Demko and what he has for his future too? He's been phenomenal. The thing that always stands out about Demko is just, you know, he has the ability to steal games, and he has done that from time to time. Uh, but more than anything, it's it's the classic. He never really gives up a bad goal or um, makes it easy on opponent opponents. Every night that he has, he's always dialed in, and he's always going to give uh, the Canucks a chance to win, which is important because historically over the last two or three seasons, the Canucks haven't necessarily been um, a great defensive team. So to have someone back there who could bail them out if they do allow uh, a few odd man rushes, um, it's been huge. And, and really, with Demko, what stands out is how composed he is. He's a really big body at six foot five, six foot six roughly. Um, and when you combine that with his athleticism and how well he moves laterally, he just takes away the bottom half of the net so uh, so easily. And um, the way he's reading reading the play, he just looks so calm and confident. And so. Um, when you look at the way that other teams have kind of found a way to score on Vancouver, it's usually had to be on, on the power play where Vancouver's penalty kill has definitely been one of the weaknesses given some of the um, injuries to PK personnel the team has had, or it's been just situations where it's a crossing pass or some kind of um, unbeatable play where Denko just doesn't have a chance. So. Um, no doubt that that you know Demko's been their most important player for as much as we can talk about Pedersen or Hughes or Ekman Larson or Garland. Uh, Demko's really the backbone of this team. And I mean, when when we look at this team too, with all the young talent, the future's bright in Vancouver. So I'm assuming just a little bit of patience is being preached there as well for this young team that has so much future star talent and current star talent on there as well. Is that something you'd kind of agree with that that the future is looking pretty bright if, if things continue to turn in the right direction for the squad? Yeah, they are. I think the kind of concern has been their kind of salary cap situation and how much can you um, add with this uh, with this group. And so, no doubt that you look at the core core pieces that are in place, and and you have a really strong foundation with the likes of Pedersen and Hughes and Besser and Miller and Horvat. Um, it's just moving forward. One of the challenges moving forward. One of the challenges is going to be. Um, how can you add to this group, especially because you had Patterson and Hughes' extensions kick in, um, Brock Besser is due for, for uh, a new contract this summer, and then the year after, Horvath and Miller need new extensions as well. So Vancouver's core players are going to become more expensive. So, and this is what makes this season so interesting, right? Because 
the team doesn't have a whole lot of flexibility to add um, in terms of, again, cap space um, next summer. So this is, this is going to be a really important test in gauging where exactly is this team at. Um, and, 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 and that's important because I think the team, in terms of how much it can add to its current core, may be limited moving forward. I think um, obviously you're going to still have pieces like Todd Colson and Rathbone kind of graduated and kind of come into their own as impact players. But, um, you know, the future's bright. It's just, I think, the salary cap and, and managing that is going to be one of the challenges over the next two, three, four seasons. No, it makes a lot of sense and, and really appreciate all your insight. Great, great stuff, Armand. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And just looking forward to seeing more content coming out of you on The Athletic. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Folks, that is Harman Dial. He's with The Athletic. Uh, and great, great coverage there, too. And what I love about his articles is he covers a lot of the prospects as well. He's a great article about, about one of the European players playing the AHL, uh, Klimovic. I think that's how he's uh, – yeah, Klimovic <laughs> playing the AHL. Uh, so I'd, I'd had to read it a couple times there. But great coverage there of the, the Canucks from The Athletic. They have, I think, three writers as well covering that team. So that, that's great. Okay, up next, let's bring on – my boy, <laughs> Yigor Afanasyev, playing with the Milwaukee Admirals right now. He's had just quite the trip playing in Russia and then coming over here. Barely, barely missed out on that final cut. So we're going to talk to Yigor Afanasyev up next. Penalty box here at ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny taking care of us behind the glass. And up next... So excited to have him back on the show. We have Igor Afanasyev. Man, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. Hey, everyone. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing fantastic. We're doing good. Glad to have you back on. <laughs> glad to have you back on. Glad to see you playing pro hockey in North America. And glad to see you got your, your first pro goal there in Milwaukee. What has it been like playing pro hockey in, in North America now and playing with the Milwaukee Admirals? Thank you so much, first of all, guys. I'm very excited to be with you on the show. And, uh, you know, everything's been pretty good so far. Uh, we're five games in, you know, trying uh, to get our confidence going as a team. But, you know, everything is great. I'm enjoying my time here. And I want to take it back to training camp. You had a very solid performance in training camp this year. I know the organization and coaching staff are very impressed with your skill how do you feel overall about your performance, but also just the experience of training camp as a whole? Um, what was that like for you? I mean, I'm obviously, like, as you pointed out, I had a really good camp. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful that uh, I did so. And I think I had a great camp uh, because I've been working hard, you know, over the summer, last season. So it was obviously, it was amazing to see, you know, to see good results and, uh Obviously, I was I was excited, you know. So uh, thanks uh, to all the coaches for opportunity they gave me, you know, in the in the training camp, and uh, you know we keep keep moving, keep working. Yes, definitely. And so now that it's done and you've had some time to reflect back on it, I just want to know what is one of your biggest takeaways when you were right in the thick of the organization with all the other players. What kind of stood out to you that you're taking with you to kind of help push you along as you work towards that next level? I mean, obviously, as uh, probably, you know, everyone would say, like, as a young guy, you know, who just follows, you know, every, like, big player, like, on Nashville, it doesn't matter if he's a young or, you know, as long as, like, he's on the team. And even guys here in, like, HL, just, you know, how being a pro, I think it's all about that, you know, the daily, day out, it's all about that, I feel like. 
Oh, that makes perfect sense. Again, joining us right now is Preds prospect and current Milwaukee Admirals forward, Igor Afanasyev. You're looking at th- this weekend coming up. I mean, three games in three days. Uh, and that is that is very unique to <laughs> to to the league and everything. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be quite exhausting. What is the process? Because you've had some days off to prepare for it as well. But what's that process like preparing for three games in three days for this club? Is it one game at a time? Is it, hey, make sure you guys are pacing yourselves, eating well? How How is the, the, the coaching staff preparing you guys for the big weekend ahead? Yeah, no, for sure. We had uh, a couple of good days off. We had actually two, you know, first we had uh, like a Halloween. We were all dressing up and stuff. We had a nice, uh, you know, team got together. It was great. And uh, obviously uh, from uh, Monday, Tuesday, you know, Wednesday, all the preparation started, and uh, obviously everyone knows it's three games and three nights. So you know you're just trying to get to it as you know as much as you could. Obviously, eat healthy. You know, do all the stretching before, after, uh, uh, after you know after ice, and uh, obviously trying to do even more to set yourself, like because you know you know it's gonna be it's gonna be tiring. Obviously, to play three nights in a row, but uh, I think everyone prepared. I mean, you guys are professionals. You know what you're doing. You're going to take care of it. But now, I would I would get in trouble exactly. if, I, if I didn't ask this. Uh, what were you for Halloween? Uh, so, me and my girlfriend, we went as a dead uh, bride and groom. All right. That's All right. fun. Yeah. That's fun. That's very fun. So. Yeah, you guys, you guys can see the picture on uh, Instagram I posted over there. Okay, there we go. Make sure you go check out his Insta, folks. You got, you got to check out the Insta for Igor. <laughs> so I wanted to let you know too. You know, we actually have a, a nice group coming up from Nashville to come see you play on Saturday. What do you mean? Oh, we have a group of people coming up to see you. Just, just you in person. Oh, oh hell yeah! I love that. <laughs> I love that, guys. Oh yeah, man! We're making a group trip out of it. Going to come see the the admirals, and then going to go down to Chicago just to see the the big club play. So it's it's a it's a big trip coming up, man. So we expect big things out of you Saturday night. Okay. Perfect. Sounds no pressure. Good. I'll be dialed in. <laughs> No <laughs> so you had quite the year last year, just in terms of just where you played. I mean, you, you spent time in the KHL, you had a few games in the MHL, uh, you played in World Juniors as well, too. What was the year like for you? I know it was a little bit weird, especially with, with the O not playing, not being able to play with, with the Spitz. So what was that year like for you, just being just over in Russia and spending time back at, near home, too? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was, you know, at first it was surprising, but you know, with COVID and all that stuff going on, I think for everyone, everything was surprising, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I basically packed my bags, you know, and I went there, like, on the first flight pretty much. And uh, obviously, like, I was there, like, you know, all over the place, like you said, juniors, like world juniors, played for juniors, played for their farm team. Uh, most of the season spent in KHL. I mean, just thankful, you know, for the opportunity that I got to play because, you know, it's a lot of young uh, North American kids didn't get that opportunity so i was just glad you know that i could play hockey this season no oh, absolutely and i'm sure that helped a little bit coming into camp too just not 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 playing <laughs> i had a little yeah, bit yeah, of a leg 100 percent, <laughs> yeah you, you already know so what what was the what's the transition been like is there anything that has stood out to you a little bit in terms of i'm sure it helped a little bit playing the khl because you're playing you're playing a man's game over there you're playing against other big boys uh, over there as well but what's the transition been like for you going from junior to the khl and now over to the ahl is there anything that kind of stands out to you most obviously you know the guys are like all the professionals and the guys more mature you know you got guys who are obviously you know older than you like 
here, even, you know, Milwaukee, like I'm the youngest guy too. And, uh, you know, I love it because you play with, uh, with older players and, you know, if you're on the same page, you just click and, uh, they're, you know, they're obviously more mature. Like I said, they're faster, they're smarter. So I, th- I think it's been great. And, uh, KHL helped me with it a lot, you know, coming into AHL. So that's all I can say about it. No, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, looking at the city of Milwaukee, I'm sure it's a, it's obviously a little bit different. Is there anything about Milwaukee that you've discovered that you just seem to enjoy, whether it's certain foods or, or just activities there? What have you learned about the city of Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, obviously, so uh, it's our hour and a half away from Chicago, right? We actually uh, we took a trip uh, to Chicago already, like on an off day, because it's, uh, it's very close. And to me, to be honest, it reminds me kind of mini Chicago, I would say. And obviously, you know, Milwaukee Bucks here. I haven't I haven't gone to the game yet, but I'm sure I will very soon. I need to, <laughs> and uh, and I will. But uh, I mean, man, it's uh, it's a lot of fun here. Like, uh, it's a pretty nice city, and uh, they got you know a couple markets here. We go for lunch, and uh, they got a lot of cool restaurants. So there's there's definitely stuff to do here. Now I got to ask too: Have you had fried cheese curds yet? Because that's a big thing up there that I know. <laughs> Right, cheese curds. No, no, I, I, I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what it is. But, but listen, listen. I know the cheese. It's obviously on the walk. Oh yeah. You go to the like, market. Cheese is everywhere. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. You're in the dairy land, man. The, the farmland of America. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I learned it. Yeah. My girlfriend told me she like she discovered about it. And I'm like, oh no way. <laughs> so so now have you brought any of like your russian food traditions over have you been able to cook for teammates yet or anything because i'm still waiting on my own russian cooking too from you man <laughs> yeah uh no not yet no not yet but uh it's definitely coming <laughs> I, need, I need to i need to bring my mom over there for that oh okay we, we got it we go. gotta get mama in town and, and so she's the master yeah. cook okay exactly all right so so before we have to let you go during this whole time too when you back over in russia was there anything in terms of like streaming and and you had some dead time where you weren't able to do much is there any any shows that really stood out to you that you watched like the uh like tv shows yeah like netflix or hulu or anything like that oh i got a couple i got uh money heist i think okay yeah a lot of people a lot of people probably saw it uh breaking bad uh prison break i watched it actually two times now it's oh. got like five six seasons first couple seasons are amazing you know uh, yeah prison break that's probably my number one show i can watch it again but i'm not going to <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but i think it's great you guys should, yeah, should check it out oh yeah i know so but the thing is that means if you're ever locked up you're gonna have all the inside information for how to get out right yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully this day never will come. But yeah, <laughs> well, Igor, we always enjoy having you on the show. Thank you so much for being a fun time, and best best wishes to you this weekend for the three and three. And just, I know everyone's really excited from down here in Nashville. Excited to see you play this Saturday. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. And I guess we'll see you Saturday. Absolutely. All right, folks. Yegor Afanasyev, he is always a gem and a treat to have on this show. And he is so fun and just cannot wait to see him here at the big club in Nashville. I know Milwaukee won't want to give him up because they don't want to give anybody up. But it's such a great personality, such a great person overall, too. And he is going to he's going to change things. He is. He's going to change things. He's fantastic on the ice. And then obviously, as you get to hear when he comes on here, he's 
he's just a he's, real. he's a fun person, very real. He's real. He's a blast to talk to, um, and you just love it when people are themselves, you know. Absolutely. And, and he's definitely one of those people. So love having him on. He gets joy out of joy. Exactly, and then he brings other people joy yeah. when he's so joyful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's contagious. Awesome. It's, it's very contagious. contagious. Okay, up next we have plenty of questions that you sent to us on Twitter. Let's uh, get some more updates on what's going on with everything in the NHL and the Chicago and Kyle Beach. Uh, we want to discuss that, give some updates on opinions there too. So all that up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, one two five, the game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Theater here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Lynn Blackwell, producer Kenny, as always, taking care of us behind the glass. Really appreciate that. All right, we have so much to cover. Let's start off, Glenn, with our questions, and then we'll get to the things that we potentially rant about because that sounds good to that's me. That's the way we wrap up the shows here. <laughs> uh, this one, the first question comes from Danielle. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad do you guys miss my bad pasta jokes? Danielle. For those of you that don't know, (laughs) when a question came before, Danielle is over at UT right now and doing a lot of things with the University of Tennessee hockey program Mm -hmm. over there with communications. But she's been an intern here on the program. And what was it? If predators were pasta or like – predators were Food. food. Oh, and Romagnosi was be? chicken Alfredo or something. Was it shrimp? I think it was the shrimp. That was shrimp Alfredo. That's right. And we were just like, <laughs> what? what? Why? Like I said for pecorino, I think I said pecorino cheese or something yeah. because clearly it makes sense. Clearly, and she was like shrimp Alfredo, and we're like, what? <laughs> what? On air, and then afterwards she was like, I don't know. Like it just came to her head, and oh, Which that was honest. good. I miss the bad pasta jokes. I miss the bad. I miss pasta her. Jokes. I miss her a lot. So. I, we miss you. We definitely thanks for miss the you. laugh, Danielle. We needed that. This one comes from uh, Preds are good low key <laughs> at six one five KC. When will the curse of seventeen leave us? I had to get clarification on this because like number seventeen. What curse is like? What did Scott Hartnell do? <laughs> I was like, wait. And then I went, he went. I've been talking about Ben Harper. Like, okay, because oh. I read it like, you know how good things typically happen in threes or bad things happen in right. threes? So I was like, a curse of 17? Like, there's like a streak geez, I don't know about? I know. Well, before I answer this question, there's also a similar one. This is from Graham. What will it take for Myers to get another chance in the lineup? And what does the team see in Harper that he keeps getting nice time? That is an excellent question from both of you. I that we do don't not know. know. No. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if... <laughs> Philip Myers is injured, then just I would come out with it. Then you could call somebody else up. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is because I know he was wearing the full mask. Seemed like he had a nose injury, mm-hmm. but you you trade for him, and he's not even a top seven defenseman now for the team. You traded for him to give you more difficult to play against. I do not see what they see in Ben Harper, yeah. and Ben Harper could could be a very good person. Oh, we're not saying that we're it's not. not. not the, but these are questions that we also would love to know. Yeah, regarding <laughs> the, the on-ice product, mm-hmm. he does not need to be playing in games. Mm-hmm. He could be a great asset in Milwaukee. Could be a fantastic veteran leader in Milwaukee to help some of the young defensemen there that are prospects that deserve a chance more than him. But when it was said that Mark Borowiecki was not going to be playing. I was like, oh, well, okay, Myers should get in. What? Mm-hmm. Was my exact reaction when I said Harper was coming in. I don't know. I just don't know because all the stats we look at, whether it's advanced stats, whatnot, and the eye test, nothing is in the favor of Ben Harper. 
mm-hmm. to be on the ice over what they already have in the team. Yeah. Like over yeah. a Myers of what I'd like to see, especially when you traded for him, you're still trying to get to know him. Put him in. Put him in. Put him in. I, put, him, put him in. Please put him in. <laughs> that answers that. <laughs> <sighs> okay. This one comes from Scott Wren, good friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's early in the season. However, I believe Yossi is an early candidate for the Norris Trophy this year. Exclude last night's play against McDavid, though. Okay, it, it's Connor McDavid, right? Uh, your thoughts on his play so far on the possibility of another Norris Trophy for him. Glenn, would you like to go first this time? I mean, it would make perfect sense for me to say <laughs> absolutely another Norris for him. I mean, he is – I mean, yeah, the, when you look at the play against Connor – it is Connor McDavid. It's, it's tough Connor for any, anybody you can get away with that. But um, absolutely, I agree with you, Scott. I believe he is an early candidate. I mean, when you look at – it's not – it's like we said earlier, it's the beginning of the season, but it's Roman Yossi. And we're seeing right. everything that you – have seen from Roman Yossi before that you expect out of Roman Yossi. He just continues to show up every day and it's, he makes it look effortless. He always has. He's always had a very, very calm presence on the ice. He gets things done. He's not scrambling. And so, I mean, he's consistent. He has been the most consistent thing on this team for a while. So absolutely. I mean, I know it is early, but I don't see any reason why not at this point, right. is what I'm saying. Right. No, absolutely. And he's getting a little, quote, unquote, older, <laughs> which is Aren't crazy to say. It's Aren't crazy to all? say that about Roman Yossi when you think about when he was baby-faced young oh. Roman. Yeah. But, but yes, I mean, it's one of those things. It's Roman Yossi. You see how he can put the back on his team. He is the leader. And probably this season, unless Yusuf Saros just goes on a complete tear, and not to say that he hasn't been playing well, but goes on a complete tear, he's probably going to be the – the heart candidate for this team. I mean, he's going to be the MVP of this of this club. Romanosi currently, I know it's not supposed to be an offensive award, but he's currently third, tied for third in the league in terms of points for defensemen at five points. Uh, Jacob Slavin has six. But the other candidates would probably be Slavin, Adam Fox, again. Yeah. And keep in mind, yeah, it's yeah. not supposed to be, but it is. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> it is because that's what's going to you know stand out to people. Exactly. And you're going to have like your Miros, your, your Macars are, are going to have a lot of looks at, at those guys as well. And especially if the teams are doing well, that's where like a Kale Macar could get looked at more because if the team's doing well, like Colorado's expected to, then they're going to get more attention. But Roman Yossi should absolutely be in the conversation at least, see how the rest of the season progresses for him. But he's the player that puts the team on his back when he absolutely has to. He can go coast to coast, but he can also make defensive plays. Uh, but he's not known as a stay-at-home defenseman because he's not. He, he can help lead this offense and generate from the point, but also drive the puck right in and, and make things happen offensively too. So, yeah, it uh, – completely agree he could definitely be an early candidate yeah it's too early right now but he should be in the discussion as of right now for looking at that an eighth of the way into the season okay this one comes from uh george uh we assume that 92 and 95 are what they are at this point in their careers too old to suddenly turn it around but both have come out of the gate at nearly a point per game too soon for hope uh, and why fill nine spot with 23 when Hafanasiev is waiting in the wings? So, yeah, we discussed the first segment about 92 and 95. Johans and Duchesne are off to a, a great pace right now. Let's hope they keep that going or at least something similar to that. It's going to be easy to beat what they were at last season's pace. Uh, but right now the pressure's on. I think like Glenn said before, too, the youngsters are probably pushing them a little bit more. And you're seeing what they're capable of doing when they're on. That's the big thing there. And then in terms of filling 23 spot, knowing what they have that's just naturally what they're going to do is with a with a forward out they're going to put another forward in uh Afanasiev's time's coming though it's going to happen I mean we saw Tommy Novak his time has come to, uh, to be in the lineup especially with uh, glass being down so that's just the way he's close he's so close Afanasiev has got to be the first or second call up I would think for, for that club anything to add Glenn 
No, I absolutely agree. It's just a it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game for these young players. And once he's here, you'll see it's well worth the wait. Um, he's continuing to do amazing things in Milwaukee, so it's just a waiting game, waiting in the wings game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, last question here before we move on is from Philip Tomasino Stan. <laughs> Uh, Alex here. Uh, thoughts on the Jack Eichel trade and whether Vegas overpaid for him or underpaid? Well, they paid. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, for it's this is an interesting thing that has just been ruminating for how many days for Vegas to acquire Jack Eichel. Uh, for those that don't know, the reports are that he's going to have a surgery ASAP, mm-hmm. surgery that he wanted with his own physicians that the Buffalo Sabers would not let him get, which uh, is but, infuriating. It's infuriating. But to go over what the trade was, uh, the Sabers received forwards uh, Peyton Krebs, uh, Alex Tuck, a top ten protected first round pick in 2022 and a second round pick in 2023 the golden knights also receive a third round pick in the 2023 draft well i mean when you look at what vegas lost compared to the skill level that they gained i just i don't know it's this is a team that has robin laner mark stone alex petrangelo like if (laughs) jack eichel win healthy win healthy come playoffs i just i don't even think that what they lost compares to what they gained um because, I mean, this team is already rock solid in a lot of ways. And just thinking about what he would bring to that top line is kind of mind-blowing. So, Yeah, no, I, I agree. I 100% agree with you, Glenn, because Vegas is in win-now mode. Usually, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. their cup window has been open since they, they started. Cause, I mean, Which, they oh, it's the so fun. long ago. <laughs> no. So long ago, right? But, I mean, Vegas basically going, what salary cap? Eh, what's yeah. that like? I mean, you it's look at fine. cap friendly. They, <laughs> it says they have some cap space, but the, but they they definitely don't. Uh, they have the LTIR there as well. But Vegas is in win now mode. They're going to burn for it later, but they're in win now mode before they know they're going to have to blow things up. Eventually, it's going to bite them in the butt, and they're going to have to blow things up. But right now, they're in win now mode, and they see that okay, given the division that they're in, they should make the playoffs pretty easily. Maybe not win the division if, if you have a little slump here or there, but they should definitely make the playoffs uh, easily. And you add Jack Eichel potentially for the playoffs, yeah, they're in win-now mode. So that's not an overpay, and especially is not an overpay if you go on and you win the cup. I'm not saying that that's that I'm predicting that. I'm just saying that's but the mindset happens, I think they're then. in. Yeah. Yeah. And and Buffalo, I think it's a decent return and in, in for what they're dealing with because they get some prospects, they get a couple picks, and there you go. So I don't think it's an overpay at all. Okay, before we have to leave, uh, updates the NHLPA, if you did not hear about that after meeting uh, together, which if you do not know, the two representatives for the National Predators are Colton Sissons is the main representative, Roman Yossi is the backup, uh, with NHLPA met for how the Cal Beach situation was handled by the PA and, and Don Fair, and they want an independent investigation. There's that. And so long overdue, but that absolutely needs to be investigated. Then also, if you haven't seen the picture, um, the abuser's name has been X'd out on the Stanley Cup. Not yep. going to give him the sake of getting his name said. I was about to say, I wouldn't either. It shouldn't uh, have been on there in the first place. Shouldn't have been on there. But along the fact with other that names. it scratched through, yep. Yep, scratched through. And so now as well, I prefer that over fully removing it. I may have said differently last week, but I now I see why. is because now you have to talk about it. You have to see why and who messed up, which was a lot of people. Uh, and there are still so many problems that I have with how this has been handled. And you see what Gary Bettman and how he handled the press conference. One, how long it took for Rick Westwood to get a question asked. 
the one who's basically leading the journalism push on this whole entire story, and it took over 40 minutes to get to him. That's messed up. That's fully messed up. The, the, the lawyer speak coming from Gary Bettman, it, it shows how deep-rooted of a problem we have in hockey in the NHL, but in hockey in general. I love this sport so much, but I'm extremely pissed off at the leagues that manage it, and that includes USA Hockey. Mm-hmm. with what's going on there with Bill Guerin. That includes the NHL. There are so many problems of the good old boys club happening in this sport that is ruining it for so many people. You cannot preach inclusivity when you have these situations continuing to happen and people are not standing up. People in leadership positions not standing up completely for what is right. That's a problem. That is a tremendous problem when you see situations like this continuing to develop, continuing to develop and not being forthcoming when answering questions. You've seen how many players, Wayne Simmons answering the call. You've seen Alex Dabrinkit, like we mentioned last week. We've seen so many players come out and speak up. We understand there's a problem and the problem right now is coming a lot from leadership. That's what's so, I mean, there's so many things that are disappointing about the aftermath of this. But when you see somebody, somebody's at the very, very top, like you just said about Gary Bettman, it, I mean, that just goes to show. That goes to show it's not one organization. It's not 12 people split among three teams. It is from the very top all the way down to the bottom. Not saying that every single one in this league is like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I think y'all know that. But that is where you find how problematic this actually is. And you you speak so eloquently about it and passionately about it. I get super, super emotional. So I'm glad that I have you here to (laughs) – you vocalize so many things that I myself are feeling and a lot of other people that love this game – feel because we're disappointed we're hurt that we're watching human beings be treated this way in a sport that we love and support we Mm -hmm. support them with our emotions we support with our finances for what for that I mean it it's it's mind-blowing and I was so disappointed so disappointed Gary Bettman as well I mean when you see somebody at the top of a sport that you love, you want to you want to have that comfort in knowing when I see him go up there, I'm going to feel better about where how this is being handled now and where this league is headed. And and you don't at all. So, ugh. so whole- it's on. It's the onus now. It's on us, folks. Mm-hmm. We have to keep people accountable, hold them accountable, and do not let up. Hold people accountable for the actions that they take and the mistakes that they make. Hold them accountable. That includes continuing to tweet on Twitter. Do it. If you need to write a letter, write a letter. Hold people accountable and do not accept the status quo. Because that's, if anything, what people in those positions want is for you to forget about it and to accept the status quo and just be okay with it going by the wayside. Don't let it happen. It's up to you as a fan. It's up to you as a hockey fan. It's up to you as a sports fan. Hold them accountable. That's my closing words. We'll be back next week on Tuesday. For producer Kenny and Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks so much for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.